For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Where did you go this morning? Where did you visit this morning? Uh, E&H um, uh, erosion control. Oh, good. So they sell like skid steers and that kind skid of Skid steers, trucks, and actually it's four companies we found out uh, recently getting rolled up. So yeah. met the equipment manager and, and the safety guy. And nice. Are you, poop. are you driving from here to Georgia or are you flying? No, I'm going to fly tonight. Fly for, to into Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I typically, if I had the RV, I would definitely road trip it. But. Did you rent the RV or did you buy it? Uh, we leased it. Leased so, it. Yeah, I would say in the fall it's going to go out west to our our rep out there. Oh, so you you still have it? Yeah, yeah. We oh, can, no kidding. We can't. To uh, maybe one day we'll get rid of it, but the sloppy Joe's here to stay. Can you can you explain the sloppy Joe? Well, how'd yeah. that come about? <laughs> sure. Uh, so when when COVID hit, you know, um, you know that we had a decision to keep the business moving. And contractors were, you know, continuing the work. So we said, let's get an RV and go meet them on our job sites. So um, rented an RV and hit the road for about a month and met guys in parking lots, met them on their job sites, did, you know, demos and met them in where they're doing their work. So it was a great way to see the country. I really haven't done a lot of road trips in my life and um, and meet a lot of great contractors, a lot of great people. Yeah. We, it was funny you said that because we uh, we did the same thing. If anybody remembers and fo- has followed us since 2020, it was I was telling you last night. It, you know, the world shut down like March 15th. Yep. And then I waited two weeks, and then four weeks, and then six weeks rolled by, and everybody was still full bore in construction. And yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, uh, I can't just sit around. Like, <laughs> I need to go out onto construction sites. If yeah. everybody's still working, I need to go work too. But the whole flying thing was still a little awkward. You couldn't, the airlines were still moving and grooving, but to tell someone you just got off of an airplane yeah. at that point was still a little taboo. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So we were like, why don't we just drive across the whole country? Because why not? Yeah. So me and Angel got in the pickup truck. We didn't, we weren't slick enough to get an RV at the time because that's the right way to do it. And we drove from Arizona. The furthest we went up was Pennsylvania. Okay. And then down to Florida okay. and then back over and ended back up in Arizona. Very cool. So we covered a lot of ground. Very nice. Yeah. And it was, it was fantastic. That was a great way to see the country. And we called it the sloppy jokes. It was just always, we just slapped around, you know, what state were we slapping to? And that was it. So did you drive very much anymore or did you fly typically? Um, no, a combination. So kind of planned two week 
road trips and um, kind of visit people across the country and yeah, uh, a combination of it. Yeah. So to go to co- the construction side of your background, you essentially grew up in the construction industry. That was what you knew your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, family's been in construction for over a hundred years. Uh, started a business by my great, great grandfather. And, um, you know, we've been in different types of markets, whether that's civil or federal work or the renewable space and um, grown up loving the industry, getting out there and, you know, construction has a certain type of action to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, it's just thrilling, you know, solving problems each day and, and, and moving, moving and grooving. Were you out on job sites as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Out on job sites as a kid and worked as a laborer, worked as a super, you know, uh, operated machines, um, worked as an estimator. So uh, all around, you know, the country and also abroad. Yeah. Yeah. How, where, so where'd you go abroad? Uh, I worked in, in West Africa and Ghana for about a year and a half. Uh, and then came back to the States. Was that a culture shock getting out there when you first got out there? Yeah, a little bit, I would say so. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's actually the culture, uh, in Ghana is a great place, you know, to, to be the people there are great, uh, work cultures, obviously you have to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, uh, it's an interesting place. How, what were you guys building out there? Uh, we were doing an XM bank project, uh, sanitary sewer, uh, development. Was, was that something you volunteered for or was that, were they like, Hey, we need yeah. somebody. So um, you're going out to, to, to Africa. Yeah. I, I've always liked the startup of jobs, you know, cause that's, mm-hmm. you know, mobilizing people, getting, getting on the ground first and mm-hmm. kind of similar to you, you know? Uh, so, you know, I did, I did volunteer to go. Really? Yep. How old were you when you went out there? Oof. Around seven years ago. So, uh, 25. Nice. Yep. So you just sent it. Yep. Is it uh, so many people now that I've started to do more international since the world's opened back up again, everybody's so interested to to hear about how things are built in other parts of the world. Yeah. Is it that much different in Africa? Um, I would say mobilization is a different, you know, getting materials there, especially yeah. different types of projects and, um, you know, mobilizing our equipment over was a lot different than mobilizing it in the States. Where did your equipment come from? Uh, from the States. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you mobilize equipment? Um, they're big um, uh, types of uh, ship to shore, uh, roll on, roll off ships. So they charge by the cubic meter and walk the machines on the ship and ship them over. Dang. So you really have to plan ahead because if you forget something, that sucks. Yeah. And it's also the, the type of contract that incentivize, you know, where the equipment's coming from. So you can source locally or depending you know, where it should be sourced. They're like, ah, oh, shit. I, I meant to include one more excavator. Yeah. But instead of four, <laughs> instead of five, we only brought yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> wow, um, that's pretty neat. I, I, I wouldn't say I had a ton of experience with it, just that yeah. one stint. Yeah. But uh, now something will stay with me in my life. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. I, there's a little bit of me that wishes I, I lived abroad while, I, you know, while I could have, but I got, I guess this company started up so quickly that I just never had the opportunity to do so. Yeah. But yeah. the more I travel, it's traveling abroad has, has been so nice to just broaden my horizons. And the more I travel, the more there is to see and, and the more there is to learn. And seeing how other places build things is, I think, fascinating. Yeah, I think, it. you know, it's the best way to learn and opens your mind, you know, how just seeing how 
different things are put together and moved and yeah. how people act in different environments. And uh, yeah, I think traveling and living an expat, you know, it was a great learning experience for me. Sure. Made a lot of good friends and, you know, uh, it's interesting to, um, you know, be an American or someone from, you know, Ireland or England just kind of coming together and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, building relationships. Yeah. So you, uh, so you work for the, the, the company for, I mean, since you were a kid, you, you grow up, you, you, you go through all these different roles and responsibilities from labor to estimator mm -hmm. and everything in between. But at some point you have the bright idea of starting a company. How did that come about? Um, yeah, good, good is question. It, is, yeah. is it, has it proven to be a bright idea? Uh, it's, it's moving, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, the jury's still out over here. I, hope, you <laughs> I don't know yet. Um, I, I, you know, I've always had the entrepreneurial bug. I think, you know, you, you have that bug where you, you, you want to start something, you like the creativity of it. Um, but uh, the idea really came up for a combination of reasons. I was working on a project in North Carolina and uh, we were looking to actually uh, build a temporary uh, trestle, so a temporary bridge structure. And uh, we had to source the steel around the country. So the initial idea for the company was more of a marketplace. Uh, at the same time, our internal construction company tried an asset management system that actually didn't work out as well, uh, just uh, limitations of the technology at the time. And we also liquidated one of our yards for a good amount of, you know, uh, big savings of assets we didn't even know we have. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, I think we're, we're a very organized and professional company do a good job. So. Mm -hmm combination of, you know, seeing things on project sites and uh, other projects in the past kind of brought the idea together that, hey, there is, you know, there's a problem here. So less on, okay, just want to start a company, but really this is a problem that can be solved. Yeah. Um, and the problem was understanding where your assets are and what assets you even have as a construction company. I would say location, but more of the workflows. So uh, the maintenance, the utilization of the assets, the yeah. resource management of assets. Can you explain what an asset is? Yeah, good question. Uh, an asset can be anything from, you know, a physical hammer to a crane. Mm -hmm. So those are uh, your machines or your tools that you're owning or you're renting mm -hmm. as a construction company. Mm -hmm. And it seems simple that, oh, of course we'd know where all of our equipment is. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the amount it's of not that easy. buckets in the weeds, you know, you yeah. hear the stories and you know, just this morning, you know, the company was saying they left a skid steer about a month and, you know, no one knows where it is. So mm -hmm. it's a common, unfortunately, a common story throughout the industry. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think with technology, there's different, obviously, cycles of it. And uh, the sensor technology is so advanced right now that it's a problem that can be solved at the right price point. Right. So it's um, it's interesting that you guys, you, you, you saw this opportunity and are going after it because I had a... Um, I might have talked, I've, I've probably talked about this before, but I, I used to, and I still do with, as a result of my job nowadays, but in college, I would take people out to lunch or just meet them at their office. So I'd sure. find these successful business people and would just say, hey, I'm a kid. I'm trying to learn about how the world works. Will you meet me and just talk to me about your life? So I'd sit down with these guys and and people and, and, and just ask them questions about how'd you get started and what would you be doing if you were me? And yeah, um, just, just learn. And this one guy, Steve Channon, he runs this big general construction company, general contracting company in Arizona. 
And and he is just a brilliant guy. And I think at the time when I was talking to him, he was going through the Harvard Executive MBA program. Okay. Yeah. So the guy's not an idiot. And he's a lawyer. He didn't want to be in the business, but then had to take the business over from his dad because his sure, dad got sick sure. or it was something like that. So a brilliant attorney becomes a chief executive officer of a very large construction company. And he said, you know, you, you can either go start a construction company and go try to take someone's market share. Because he kind of explained the overall market for construction isn't actually growing all that much. It, it, it somewhat stays the same. Sure. So to go grow a company, since the market isn't necessarily growing, just on average, and at this time, that's that's where the world was, and it's still somewhat true, but because the market isn't growing, you have to go take someone else's market share. And so he said, you can do that, but let me tell you, it's not that easy yeah. <laughs> and it's not that much fun. Sure. So the the other option here is that you could start a company solving a problem that the industry has. Yep. And his example was, okay, we have all these job sites right now. I couldn't tell you what materials I have on my job sites. Sure. Why not? Why shouldn't I be able to tell you what materials are on my job sites? But we, uh, so, so, but, so that was his example was, you know, maybe there's a barcode or something, RFID or yeah. whatever it is on, on my steel on a job site so that when it comes onto the site, I know it's there. When it's used on site, I know it's used and I can track my materials accordingly. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, that's pretty damn clever. And of course, I still wanted to be a contractor, so still tried to go down that road. But then here I am building a business to solve the industry's problems rather than building a construction company. You're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, I think, you know, um, in construction, you're always looking for the best tools, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the, that tool solves a problem. So uh, what we're doing is looking to build the, the focused and the best tool for contractors for asset management. So you, you have this idea, you see the opportunity, then what? I mean, yeah. are, are you, do you have to go talk to your dad about it or how does that, how does all that work out? Yeah, no, uh, it is a family business. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, my father's definitely involved with it and helped, you know, shape part of the product that it is today. And, um, I'm very fortunate that our working relationship is, is really phenomenal. And, uh, you know, we, we build on each other and helps build, build companies. Right. Sure. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, when I had the idea and the first thing I did was actually start talk to a bunch of contractors because mm -hmm. my world was, you know, our construction environment and I want to go out and you want to test and validate and, and look at a million different perspectives and tell, you know, uh, what, what's wrong with your idea. Mm -hmm. right? I'm always open to say, you know, who, what's wrong with this and how can we mitigate that risk? And uh, so talked to a bunch of contractors and did different wireframes and, and tested it and you know, we had our own ideas of what, you know, what would be an impactful tool, but have people battle test it and help create the product uh, as a, almost more of a community than just us inventing in a lab. Mm -hmm. And it, at what point do you go all in on it, quit your job and say, yep, this is what we're going to go do? Um, you know, being just an entrepreneurial, um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think you can kind of when you when you show the product you can see the validation mm -hmm. and you know there's something there and you're solving the problem that kind of gives you the 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 enough uh, enough of the feeling that this can work right yeah. you know yeah. in, in business and you know uh there's always ups and downs and there's times you think it may not work and there's times you're like this is the best uh this is going to go all the way mm -hmm. uh, but 
I, I think constantly talking to customers and people and, and working together as a team for it, that that's what gives you the confidence to uh, move forward. Yeah. I, I have the feeling of this is going to work great and this is not going to work great. I, I, I change between those feelings like 10 times a day right now. It's, it's super unsteady. Yep. 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 <laughs> very, I'm very mentally unstable yeah. right now. Um, so you, but I think confidence is everything, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, you have an incredible team and, and company that you've built and, um, you know, you have to believe in what you're doing and that, that confidence to your whole team believes in it. You, you know, you're in your own together. So sure. that's, that's what pushes forward. So explain, explain Tenna, explain the product. Sure. How does sure. it work today? Sure. Um, so Tenna is, it's a construction technology platform, uh, revolutionizing equipment fleet operations. So a lot of people out there say, are you a tracking company? And obviously we do dots on a map, but mm-hmm. it's really a lot more than that of really getting the data on all your assets that you may own or rent and really understanding how they're being used on your job site, uh, helping to automate billing and tying to your accounting platforms, uh, dispatching your crews and equipment together on the system. So it's really a full operations platform and a financial tool mm-hmm. for all of your assets. So you can, because the goal with assets, a piece of equipment, is mm-hmm. you want to make as much money with that machine as you possibly can. Sure. Is that fair to say in the simplest form? Just want to make yeah. as much money as no, you can. No, it's, it's a tool and, and you want to make those decisions of... Do you need more assets? You need less? Yes. How are you pre-planning for that type of work? Yeah. So there's not one prescribed solution because, you know, in the, in the built world, in the dirt world, you know, what a pipeline contractor needs versus a civil contractor mm-hmm. is different. So it's, it's yeah. bringing that data to life and making it transparent so the company can make really good decisions about their equipment. Well, and it's our industry is an industry is so interesting because when it comes to equipment, it's like in a factory, for example, that's a controlled environment. Yeah, yeah. So you can get that equipment performing really, really well and you can monitor that equipment really effectively and you know when it's down, you know when it's up. It's very easy to, to work with in, sure. in simple terms. Construction industry, it's changing by the day, sometimes by the hour, whether that machine should be here, should not be here, could be better off somewhere else, could be used more effectively. And without that information, you just don't know. Like you're just basically licking your finger, putting in the air and taking a guess. Sure. sure. Which is is the state of uh, asset management currently, I would say, on average. Yeah. I mean, there are, there's technologies out there. um, And I don't want to say, you know, it's just hard, right? There's a lot of things happening. People are working their butts off and wanting to make the best decisions about their assets and know everything is, but there needs to be almost a better tool to surface that information to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say, you know, I would say 50% of contractors we visit around the country, you know, may be still on whiteboards, right? And that's okay, right? It's just these, the, the technology is now caught up. The other 50% are looking to ha- almost simplify and consolidate their technologies together. Sure. Um, yeah, I do. I do love a good equipment whiteboard. Sure. And and when it's when it's laid out really nicely, and they have like the tape lines. You gotta and, have the really cool magnets, though. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> cool magnets. Yeah. With like it. machine names on them. Oh or, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's that's perfect. That's when you got it. <laughs> yeah, but that I mean, it it it's it sounds crazy, but there are companies companies doing hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. managing their fleets of tens of millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars using a whiteboard 
at Magnets. Sure. And this machine is on this job number, yeah. for example. Like that, that is that is asset management a lot of times. And and there's just so much there's so much we're leaving on the table as an industry at that level. Yeah. And it's again not just the operation aspect, but it's really how is that affecting your profit margin, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, a hundred million dollar contractor and you have, you know, 10% of your cost tied up into equipment related activities. If you deploy, you know, um, technology, can you reduce that, that percentage in equipment related activities? If that's fuel, mm-hmm. that's logistics moves, um, that's uh, manpower into the equipment. How can you just improve that by one or 2% and that can drop $5 million to your bottom line, right? So, so you can manage heavy equipment. How small of an asset can you guys? Yeah manage um you know we, we go down to i wouldn't say a hammer but yeah you know, an expensive concrete saw you yeah, know anything yeah. over like 500 dollars, i think is a good threshold so saws uh, and yeah we uh, actually put bluetooth beacons in the back of concrete saws and actually correlate when they get into the pickup truck so it's not just uh, uh it's how the assets almost talk to each other as well oh because the the pickup truck has a sensor or beacon or whatever what's the correct term for it? Uh, yeah a bluetooth beacon so the, uh, the, the pickup, pickup truck, truck will have a cellular tracker and okay the concrete saw would have a beacon and then if they're close enough it's like yeah the saw is in this pickup truck yep and if they move uh-huh. apart we say hey you left it behind uh-huh. so on job closeouts you know that's because like you said a factory you know uh i had one customer uh tell us you know uh, construction sometimes like the circus right mm-hmm. Everybody gets together and it was time to move out. Everybody moves out. Yeah. And that's when things get left behind or there's mismoves or things like that. And it, 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 it doesn't sound like that would happen, but that happens a lot. Even something as simple as a bucket, like a bucket can be 20, 30 grand. Oh yeah. So if you just forget about a bucket, the weeds go around it. Yeah. What happened? You just lose 20, 30 grand. Really? It just, it, it, it's something as simple as that can add up to a lot of money at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean. I would love to, you know, do a montage of all the equipment we found in funny places, right? Ah. You have a, you know, a mini excavator in the mangroves in Florida, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and again, it's not just about loss. It's more about optimizing the logistics yeah. around equipment because that's, that's more of the, um, the savings factor or the revenue driver that you can do versus, okay, just something maybe got lost. Sure. So, um, you guys put basically something on each machine yep. that gives you its location and gives you data on that machine, like yep. how much it's running, how much it's idling. And from all of that data, you can start to create information on that machine, how it's being utilized so that when the, the, the company goes into your software product, mm-hmm. they can see, hey, this machine can be utilized more effectively. And yep. can make decisions accordingly. Yep. And also tying that to your accounting platform. So mm. there isn't double entry on different types of data, whether that's preventative maintenance based on hours, whether that's renting and putting in a rental rate for a piece of equipment. So it's really streamlining the data from the finance side of a construction company all the way to the field and the ops. What, uh, from just kind of a... Inefficiency standpoint, what are the more common inefficiencies you see with what you've been doing so far? Um, seeing what I'm with different contractors. Yeah, just what 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 do you what are the, some of the mistakes, common mistakes that you guys are able to uncover pretty yeah, quickly? Yeah, sure. Um, 
we actually have a pretty good calculator we built on it, but it's um, optimizing utilization. So does this equipment, does this piece of equipment need to be on the job or could that be moved to a different project? Mm -hmm. Or if one project is using that piece of equipment and may not want to give it up for the other job, mm -hmm. that job goes and rents another piece of equipment. So collectively as a whole, you're, you're investing more in your equipment related costs than you have to be. So I would say, you know, Utilization is a really key component for the for the for the product. Yeah. Um, safety, all right, safety and compliance, whether that's driver safety, whether that's inspections on your equipment, uh, that's something that's easily solved with technology. Talk about the walkarounds. Yeah, I thought sure. that was pretty slick on the safety side of things. Yeah, yeah. So we we put QR codes all around a pickup truck or piece of equipment, and with our a smart device, you go and you scan, and you can go and get the locations. Uh, picks up and prompts uh, a mobile app on your phone. Hmm. And then that they fill the mobile app from the device and that prompts right into your maintenance records. It's pretty slick. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, it's so simple, but so, so clever. Yeah. I mean, I think technology being simple, that that's powerful, right? Well, and if I've learned anything about the construction industry dirt roll, it has to be simple. Yep. And that's one of our values is keep it simple, stupid for a reason. It has to be simple. It has to be simple. It has to be simple. And it's not like simple. I think simple can be misconstrued to say construction industry is stupid. So you need to keep it really simple, like a six-year-old or else they're yeah. just not going to get no, it. No. It's, it's not like that. It's not, it's no. not that they're, they're stupid. They just, there's a lot going on. And if it's exactly. complicated and if it sucks to do every day, I, I wouldn't want to do it. So why would anyone else want to do it? Yeah. So it's, it's just keeping it simple from making sure that they, they can be, it, it helps them be more effective at their job rather than is something that just gets in the way because they already have enough that gets in the way as is. Yeah, I mean, contractors are making a million decisions a day, right? Mm -hmm. You're getting hit in all different angles. And like you said, it's not that um, they can't use the technology or don't want to. It's, it's you know, it's you just need to get that data to be accessible when you need it yeah. versus a really overcomplicated tool that's wasting time versus creating more efficiencies. Sure. It's the the example you provided with you know, they have a machine over here that's not being used, but they don't want to give it up. So another sure. job doesn't rent machine. That happens all the time. Yeah, we're hoarders, man. You know, <laughs> all that's it's well, it's, it's human nature because yeah. we, yeah, by, by human nature, we, we like to hoard resources because it's, it's programmed into us. It, 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 it increased the rate of our survival. So if we come about sure. a lot of food, we're going to stack up that food as much as possible because we don't know when that, that next round of food is coming. So now even though it's not about survival anymore, we're still wired that way. And in construction companies, I feel like they don't drive home the fact that everybody's on the same team. Like if your hard hat says this name and the other guy's hard hat says the same name, sure. Yeah. Even if they're on another job, there's you're still on the same team. So <laughs> yeah, even by divisions too, right? Yeah, yeah, so, even divisions. And it's good to have, I think, healthy competition. That that's fun, right? Sure. But uh, as a whole, as a whole pie. How do you manage your resources the most effectively yeah. to drive, you know, uh, great projects, great work and, and uh, you know, healthy companies? Yeah, you're, I mean, you're really, at the end of the day, you're helping to change behavior. Yep. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's behavior change, but it's also, you know, the beauty with the technology is, and also the advances in sensors is that it, a lot of it's automated, right? So you're, yeah. you're changing and you're aiding uh, decisions. You're not necessarily changing everything you do. You're mm -hmm. just providing more data to make it easier to make the better decision. 
What about the whole concern, uh, especially from the field side of things, about Big Brother? Sure, good question. Is uh, how do you how do you educate people on the importance of what you're doing so that they're willing to work with you rather than nah, fuck this? Yeah, <laughs> good question. Um, you know, th- there is um, number one, it really helps the safety aspect, right? So understanding driver behavior and prevents one accident, or there's there's one thing that you know, um, prevents a, you know, a life threatening accident that's, that's worth it. So it's working as a team. Uh, but I think the big brother is, is if your leadership is really bought into it and, you know, this is really for the good of the company and pushing that through, um, and everybody comes together as a team, it works out really well and you see really good results on driver scorecards and, and safety improving across the board. Um, cameras are, you know, a debate in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, but they're also powerful for insurance and your insurance costs go up. And, uh, if you're protecting your drivers, uh, with a camera, then there's a lot of positive with it. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, so you're saying drivers, you guys do a lot of over the road, I take it. That's part of the business. So yeah. fleet management is just a component <clears throat> of asset management in mm-hmm. my mind. Uh, but you know, we'll, again, we'll track your static assets, whether that's a Connex box to your F-150 to your PC-400. Oh, so you guys would track Connexes too, huh? Yeah. Connexes are expensive these days. Yeah, boom sections, we'll, we'll track those. I mean, really? sometimes they get left in the weeds too. So it's <laughs> as simple as just putting a Bluetooth tag on every piece of equipment you want to track without well, an engine. Yeah, well, there's, there's different types of uh, sensors and devices that we match to the size and value of mm-hmm. the equipment, right? So... For a concrete saw, you're not going to put a cellular tracker in, but mm-hmm. you will put that in your in your dozer. Okay. Um, you put a fleet tracker in a truck, and then you put a Bluetooth beacon kind of in the in between. Sure. And there's such a need for this too, like we talked about earlier. You bet. You guys are basically you said Switzerland, which is where sure. build with. That's we we say that all the time. Yeah. Dan says that like once a day. Um, because. There's all of this tracking software out there for heavy equipment, for example, yeah. created by all the OEMs. So there's this link, that link. Yeah. Everybody has their own damn link nowadays, but none of them talk to each other. And this is one of my biggest frustrations with the OEMs. And this is one of the biggest things I think they're leaving on the table right now is they just ignore everybody else. Like they just act like the other ones don't exist. <laughs> sure, <laughs> and and sure. it's like, um, I can't remember the last time I was on a job site with one brand of equipment, yeah. especially nowadays, especially with um, avail- years, right? availability. Well, but with availability, everybody is running every machine they can get. Like I was just on a job site the other day. They had Volvo trucks, cat trucks, and Doosan trucks. And I was sure. like, why do you have a Doosan truck? And you're like, well, it's just what we could get. Okay, yeah. great. So they're not going to not, no, it's not cat. We're not taking it. No, it, they don't care anymore right now. Um, so they, they have all these mixed fleets and all of the links don't talk to each other. And so if you have to go into all different apps to figure out different things about different machines, it just becomes too cumbersome. It yeah. becomes pointless at that point. You're doing swivel chair, right? You're looking at a screen for cat, screen for John Deere, yeah. a screen for Doosan, you know, and I view them as all partners, right? So if you can pull in data from an OEM, great. And we're, we're taking the data, we're cleaning the data and we're surfacing it. Or mm-hmm. the best decisions, but um, so it, it all of the data you're collecting, it doesn't matter what kind of machine it comes off of. No, different the brand doesn't matter. Yep. I think that's huge. Yeah, and, and if it's an older model, that's where also our hardware 
uh, works and provides the data as well. Can you, you can use, you can do old, older models like without any kind of electro, electronics on them? Uh, we, our, our Tena mini product, we can uh, get hours, engine hours and uh, location on older models. Really? Yep. No, it's a big component because you not, you know, not all of your fleet is new. So, uh -huh. and I think with asset management, you want to cover the entire fleet. You just don't want to do it piecemeal. You may start piecemeal and move over time, but to actually solve the problem, you want to, you know, look at all your types of equipment. How do you, how do you sell the product to a contractor? What's the sales process look like? Yeah. Um, you know, we get, we go out, we like to meet people on site, we like to shake their hand and mm -hmm. build a relationship. Um, starts with a lot of discovery. You know, what are you trying to solve? Because there's a lot to asset management. Is the pain point maintenance? Is the pain point dispatching crews and equipment? Is the pain point billing or utilization? Uh, because it's a lot to chew off all at once. So, excuse me, it's more about doing discovery on, you know, what are those key pain points you're trying to solve? And then starting there, uh, demoing the software, but more importantly, learning about their workflows and process and how the software can aid that. What, um, what are the more common pain points? Um, start simple, just knowing everything you have. Huh. Um, again, utilization is an important thing. Uh, maintenance records, preventative maintenance, um, again, uh, safety. Um, it's all and resource management, dispatching your crew, dispatching your truck, dispatching your equipment, knowing when it got to the job. Just, again, a lot of, a lot of things hitting you a day that yeah. can be automated. Um, can you explain utilization? Sure. Just in layman terms. Yeah, so utilization would be um, how much your equipment is running on a job or how much is working versus idling. Um, and you want to look at that in a couple of ways. You want to look at it by an individual class of equipment or individual piece and by different time frames. So how much was this, you know, dozer working your previous shift? Mm -hmm. How much did it work over the last week, the, the month, life to date of the machine? So when you go back over time at the end of the year and you're doing your you're forecasting, or you're looking at a new bid, you can pull up and say, okay, what, what did I actually work? Uh, how much did we build that equipment out? And how much did we invest in repair and maintenance costs? And what's the delta there? And really try to get to a, you know, a profit and loss on your equipment. And, and so that's where you guys are heading to is showing what pieces of equipment are earning money. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, using the accounting software, integrating with the accounting software, integrating with the equipment, and then you can tell it. Yeah, and and yeah. our software providing it. And, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your software bringing everything together. Yep. And saying, yeah, this machine's made this much money this year. Yep, that's the that's the holy grail. Which yeah. is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting to get that clarity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's a, I, like, like you said before, it's not overly complicated, but it's a lot of different data points to bring together to clean and present in an easy fashion. Hmm. It is pretty fast. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's simple, but yeah, there's just a lot of information. There's a lot. There's a lot out there. And you pointed out earlier that I thought was interesting. Different machines, you, you explained, have different classes. So idle time varies. Sure. Like a, an excavator digging, production digging is going to have different idle time than an excavator laying pipe. Yeah. Or if, are you categorizing working as, you know, holding a trench box up? Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of room in the industry on, you know, streamlining of what is idle and what is not. Uh, it's easy, like on a pickup truck, you know, running under five miles an hour, yeah. maybe considered idle. Um, you know, is, are you looking at RPMs? Are you looking at fuel burn? Are you looking at motion of the 
equipment. Uh, so there's a lot of ways you can look at it. There was. I worked on a on the railroad very briefly, and it was pretty consistently like 120 degrees every day. Okay. <laughs> it was just brutal. Just so, so brutal. And California is, you can't idle a pickup truck for more than five minutes or whatever it is. It's against the law. It's, it's, it's so, so yeah. California. But we'd be idling our trucks all day long because yeah. if you didn't, if you turned it off, you couldn't, you couldn't get in the damn thing again. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a safety hazard <laughs> to get in your pickup truck if it's been sitting in the sun for that long. Cause yeah. it's, it's so hot. And, and don't even get me started about having to use the porta potty when it's oh, 120. <laughs> like, talk about safety hazard. Yeah. <laughs> you go in there, you're in there for five minutes, you're it immediately happens. dehydrated. <laughs> Like you need a water station right outside your porta potty because sure. there's no way, man. You're not making it out of there. Um, but it's it's that's a common thing, and I've been guilty of it all the time. Like idling a pickup truck, there's really yeah. no value created and having your truck on. There are circumstances, right? Sure. You know, we're not trying to be the police in any fashion. Yeah. You know, it's just especially with fuel places, fuel prices now, you can really quantify. You know, mm-hmm. a nice idle report and you know pick a, a KPI or a way you want to improve that over time. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a great path forward. But I think just yeah. again, streamlining and getting a baseline because there's so much data on equipment. There's so many ways you can look at things. I think it's equally important. Just get really accurate engine hours, right? Mm-hmm. Get that across everything. Start mm-hmm. making deci- decisions off of that. And it's, there's a lot of people that listen to this that are in the field. If if you want, and if you work for a great company yep. and you want to go far in your career, it's in your best interest to try to make the company the most money you possibly can. Sure. Like sure. It's, it's directly in your best interest. If you make the company, the, the whole thing is there's this belief that the, the companies just want more profit so they can make those at the top richer. And sure, that's a reality at some companies. Most construction companies are not like that. And I think one of the core problems the industry has is it's not very profitable. The construction companies are not profitable. They they see all of this money and they see the contract values of these jobs. But yeah. a lot of times, okay, great. The contract value is $100 million, but they're going to be making 3% on that job. It's not sure. very much at the end of the day. So anything people can do out in the field to make the company more profitable, that gives them more money to go invest back into their company. Sure. Invest back in, in theory, if it's a good company, again, leadership training and new equipment and new technology and new things to help people build more effectively, raise salaries. You know, everybody wins if companies are more efficient and profitable. Yeah, no, absolutely. In theory. In theory, right. Um, but I think with technology, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, if you're going to do it, it's when, mm-hmm. right? And that's typically when we, you know, interact with our customers, it's, if you're using technology and you're using it the right way, it's a real competitive advantage, right? You're, you're streamlining decisions, you're moving quicker, you're able to bid more work. Um, and contractors that are not adopting technology, you know, that's, like you said, taking away market share, that's, they're going to be more left behind. So mm-hmm. again, you want to use the, the greatest tools to perform the best work. Why wouldn't you look and, and analyze that? How come, how come you, you think the construction industry is so behind from a technology standpoint. Like I, I always, it, it's just, you yeah. can't help but chuckle a little bit when you think like we're trying to figure out if someone left a saw 
behind. Yeah. That's a very simple problem. Or yeah. we're trying to just get engine hours on equipment. Sure. And then meanwhile, over here, you have other industries like trucking that have autonomous trucks cruising yeah. around America right now. No questions asked. Crazy advanced technology blowing and going. Yeah. They're just these other industries are way ahead of us. Why? Why is that? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, if you look at there's a million reports, but, you know, uh, construction, I think, is the second uh, worst laggard in, in uh, technology adoption. Who's first? Um, I'm not sure. I just know we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're bad. Below. Yeah. We're, second, we're below. Second, second to last yeah. is not a good place. To yeah. Be. And I, again, I, I don't, and I don't think it's contractors don't care about it. There's just a lot going on. Right. Uh -huh. And also technology has advanced a lot that makes it cleaner makes it easier to adopt where before it might've been, you know, a year or two year long implementation of a technology product. Now you can get it going in a couple of months, even shorter. So I think it's a combination of technology getting better and improving. Mm -hmm. And in my you know, opinion on tech, you're always trying to reinvent it and better it every, every year. If you're not trying to reinvent your technology, you're going to be left behind. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I think it's a combination of contractors just being busy. Uh, it's not being the main priority and not viewing it as much as a competitive advantage as, as it can be today. Sure. Yeah, but those that, that do view it as a competitive advantage are going to have a huge competitive advantage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it goes right to their gross margins. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes everybody better off. It's, yeah. Not a, not a bad place to be. How, um, with what you're doing, it seems like an obvious sell, but what are contractors' reservations? Um, yeah. I, Why I don't people buy from you? Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would say um, you need to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. So, um Equipment managers are uh, active users of our product. You need to make sure um, CFOs are on board, that the owner's on board. Mm -hmm. And it's really creating consensus and making sure before someone purchases uh, the software that people are bought in. Because I rather almost, you know, have them wait to make sure everybody's on board. Because the most important thing is not just people, you know, purchasing the software, but it's the customer experience after. It's the quality, making sure they're really using the product and really getting the data they need. So that's equally as important to mm -hmm. us as a company and making sure that, you know, the job's done and it's done right, you know. Yeah, with with contractors, what we found is there's there's a lot of stakeholders. Yep. A lot of stakeholders. And that's okay, you know. Yes. Yeah, it just takes time to navigate it. And, you know... Uh, especially just even visiting job sites, for example, this is a great example. You know, there'll be a foreman that'll be like, oh yeah, come on out to our job site. Like you can do whatever you want. And I, I'm in the back of my head, like, no, I know for a fact your approval. That's fantastic. I'm super, I'm glad you're, I'm glad we're talking. I'm thankful you're following. I, I appreciate the invite, but that's not how it works. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to go talk to the guy or the people in charge uh, to make sure that that is a reality before I can actually come out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing with selling software, like what we're doing with our training product. Even if someone over here is bought in, not that it's not that their, their opinions not important, or sometimes their buy-in is the most important because they're, they're the ones actually using the product, Yeah, but you still need other people to sign off on it. And to get contractors to spend money on anything that is not <laughs> an asset that goes on their balance sheet is, is a very difficult endeavor. Sure. Sure. And I think it's, you know, um, it's understanding the benefits of it 
quantifying it, you know, understanding the return on the investment. And, oh. um, with a lot of products out there, it's, it's a very obvious return. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes the problems aren't easily quantified. So how do you quantify every missed move, right? Every low boy move. Um, yeah. How do you quantify number of asset, you know, missed billings on underutilization for equipment, right? Yeah. So I think it's, it's bringing the problem and quantifying the problem to life. And that makes the, you know, solving and investing in it to solve it pretty obvious. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is you can't, necessarily quantify it to the extent you want to quantify it without yeah. the product you're <laughs> <Yeah>. providing. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, you're kind of caught in a catch-22. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. uh, people people have joked, you know, are we stealing equipment and then <laughs> calling up the contract? Uh, that, that's a great, that's a great marketing <laughs> but, strategy, no, sales strategy. We had one, uh, <clears throat> one customer actually that was demoing our product and unfortunately there was a, a theft on the site, but it was pretty, pretty bad thief because he, he stole the one piece of equipment with that they were demoing our tracker on and Got it. And, you know, nice. You know, I got a call and they were in hot pursuit, you know, awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. 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 So. I, uh, I forget where I was, but it was <laughs> this one guy, he gets a call. He's like, Hey, our blade right now, it's headed to Mexico. Is that us? <laughs> no, it's not us. Okay. We have a problem. <laughs> they, have to go, they have to go find their blade on somebody's low boy headed to Mexico before it gets to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> If it goes over the border, yeah. there goes your blade. When they nabbed it just before they got to the border, yeah, and and got the machine back. But it's it sounds uh, it sounds crazy, but that that happens pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, logistics and 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 I keep on going back to this, but I think that's the easiest thing you solve, right? Mm-hmm. It's just knowing where everything is, mm-hmm. and the the true value is optimizing all the other workflows around that. And I, I've, I've learned with software too, you, you can't, and I am the like chief offender of this, you can't go too ambitious too quickly. Yep. So you being co-founder of the business, yep. you see the potential of where you can go very sure. clearly, more clearly than probably anybody else. That's, what, that's the world I live in. I yep. live in the future. I don't live in now. Which is why I'm perpetually disappointed because it's like, uh, there's just so much we can do. Yeah. But um, since, since, but you, you can see that, but you almost, I've had to learn, you almost kind of have to keep that to yourself. And it's just like, let's just focus first on finding out where everything is. Let's go solve that problem. Sure. One problem, prioritize and execute. And then once we've done that, once everybody's comfortable, then maybe we can go on to the next one. Yeah. Then maybe we can go on to the next one. I think, you know, the problem we're solving, trying to solve, is this workforce problem. There, there's a lot of different things we have to do to actually solve the workforce problem because humans are complex. It's not just going to be this one magic potion everybody drinks. Boom, yep. all workforce problems solved. But we've had to identify what's the biggest pain point or one of the biggest pain points. Where's the opportunity we can attack first, even if it's not the real opportunity? I don't think training is the real opportunity in front of us. Sure. That's, that's our foot in the door. So let's start there, get contractors on board and comfortable, and then we can go on to the next step. Yeah. Yep. Is that, I guess, consistent no. with what you've... Yeah. I mean, that's um, the beauty about software is, you know, inventing the product is there's a lot of pride in that, right? Mm-hmm. And seeing, you know, seeing an idea that you might have had sketched out now actually on a screen or on someone's phone and them getting real benefit, that just gets you fired up. Yeah. You know, and you're like, what's the next thing we're going to build? Sure. 
Uh, but I think too many times in software, you're always, obviously you're always trying to build and, and build and invent the next thing, but it's more important on the customer service side and the customer experience to get that right. So if you're solving that problem or the adoption of the product to really invest and be there as a partner, you're, again, you're, we're providing a tool, but we're also, you know, we're a service with them to make sure that they really understand how to use the tool and, and, and get benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I think one of the best things that we've done or decisions we made in our company uh, was to 100% focus on the construction industry and just focus on quality, right? Don't go all over the place, you know, don't we call it play kids soccer, yeah. go over here and then run over there. Uh, absolutely focus on what we're trying to solve and just be the best there and go as deep as possible. Mm-hmm. In that, in those problems. Yeah, I'm a professional kid soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad problem. No, it's it's tough. I mean, we're all guilty of it. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, focus and discipline. I think in anything, and if you're a contractor and being disciplined on a market, whether it's or being disciplined on a product roadmap, mm-hmm. it's um, creating that that discipline and executing, executing quality. That's you know that creates real real benefit. Yeah, and we're we're in the middle of of becoming a lot more disciplined and focusing on that product roadmap. Because we, yeah. we, again, we, we get so caught up in what we can do and what the potential is right in front of us. But yeah. it's like, that doesn't matter if we don't go build a successful business first, because that drives everything else. So we yeah. can be right. We can say like, yes, this is where the industry needs to go. But if we can't get there, if we die along the way, then we're, we're shit out. There's no point to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, the industry tells us, right. I think yeah. the easiest thing to do is just listen. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Go out there. Yeah. Talk to your, your partners and your customers and what's important to you guys. Mm-hmm. Why is it important? Mm-hmm. And there's so many clear patterns, you know, uh, what one contractor is struggling in, you know, Carolina, the Carolinas is probably what somebody's struggling with in Utah, you know? Well, but that, so. that but, but it's a dichotomy too. You have to listen to them. Yeah. But what, what you talked about was, and you just explained, you see a lot more of the industry yeah. than any of these contractors do. Sure, sure. So these contractors, the, the, the greatest extent that they reach outside of their world is potentially like my social media yeah. or going to the one AGC event a year or whatever yeah. it is where they talk to contractors, but do it in like a, you know, coy manner. You know, I can't tell them too much because... You know, yeah, never, you never yeah. know, right? <laughs> um, but so, so you see more of the industry than than just about anybody, and so you you do have to listen, but you also have to you you have to listen and follow and challenge and cha- but but yeah. then challenge and lead at the same time. Yeah, and that's a really tricky that's a really tricky balance. Sure, sure, because it's and, and everybody's different, so it's not this one formula you can apply across the board either. Yeah, absolutely, but I think you know. You can't, you know, effectively challenge someone if you really haven't tried to listen and mm-hmm. understand the patterns. Right? Exactly. So if you have that and you and you really think about it, you really document and take notes on it and look at it over time, like you know, like a science equation, right? Uh, then the patterns emerge, and when you, then when you go to challenge, uh, like what you're doing with with the training and, and challenging the the industry to get better at this, or what we're mm-hmm. doing to try to challenge the industry to get better at equipment fleet operations. Uh, there's merit to that and there's some room to, you know, something to stand on for it. Sure. Yeah, you have to build the trust. Yeah. First. And we're, this is, you know, you know better than anyone, but construction is a small world. You know, it's a big world, it's a small yeah. world and 
the relationships matter, you know, and you have to say what you're going to do and, and, uh, and commit to it. It's a small world. And then it's a world in which everybody's used to getting screwed. I feel like <laughs> sure. because there's just yeah. so much litigation and, and, and butting heads and uh, yeah. you, you, you gotta, you gotta be ready for a fight. Yeah. In, in the and, industry. And we're not, and contractors are never emotional, right? <laughs> There's no egos in the dirt world yeah. whatsoever. Um, and so, yeah, you, you have, uh, you, there's just a lot of history there that's working against you. And it takes a lot of time to get in and unravel that and, and win people over. And sure. I, I feel like we're just getting there, but it's been five years of trying to convince people that, yeah, hey, we're, we're, we're really not bullshitting you. We're yeah. really trying our best here. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, but we're doing our best. And, I feel like people are just now starting to buy into it, but it's taken five years and you've been on the road for seven years now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's the challenge and I'm a, I'm a shameless optimist. Mm -hmm. I got a great t-shirt just says optimist, you know, and I, nice. I think, uh, you know, uh, what a lot of people are doing in the industry is again, trying to make it better. And, yeah. um, again, not, not that everyone isn't trying or not working their butts off. There's just, there's new things out there now and there's new tools and there's, there's new ways of looking at problems that, that are better. Mm -hmm. So you got to embrace that and embrace the change and, and uh, push forward with it. Yeah. And it's, that was my mistake was it's, it's not that, it's not that they don't want to do better. Of course they want to do better, but they just don't have the tools or um, knowledge to know where to do better, how to do better. Yeah. And that's where a business like Tena comes in is, Hey, we know you want to get better at this. We know you don't necessarily know how or don't necessarily have the tool. Fortunately, here it is. We've been working on it for a while yeah. now. It's working great for these other contractors. It can work great for you too. Yeah. Makes sense. That's it. Yeah. Um, should I get Tenno on my one skid steer? Absolutely. <laughs> you got it, man. <laughs> I, have, I have a Honda generator too. <laughs> we and, got a, and we a, got a beacon for that. And yeah. a pickup truck, two pickup trucks. So I have, mm -hmm. I have quite a few you assets. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, maybe my computer. Yeah, you gave me this book. I'll give you some trackers. <laughs> perfect. We're good. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, how do people find you guys if they're interested in learning more? Um, go to our website, you know, Um, We also have a lot of videos on our website. A lot of mm. our customers, you know, thing I'm most proud of is when, you know, you have letters on your wall from everybody's yeah. that experienced your work. Mine, sure. you know, our pride is when customers talk about us or talk about us to other people. So. Mm -hmm. I always invite everybody to look at, look at our videos or talk to somebody who's worked with us and understands how we work. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say something, but then it's the, the example I always have is, uh, it's like taking advice from your dad versus your friend's dad. Sure. <laughs> you're, you're, or at least me, I've taken a lot more advice from my friend's dad. Cause it's like, your dad gives you the, the advice. Like, Dad, I know. I, I got it. And your friend's dad gives you the exact same advice. Yeah, that's actually, that's pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heed that. Yeah. It's kind of the same principle Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. I think, you know, just trust the numbers, right? Sure. All right. Well, I'm glad you were able to, to stop by and this worked out pretty well. Yeah, I know. Really appreciate it and getting to know you guys and, you know, huge fan of what you're doing and uh, yeah, hope to, hope to keep in touch. Yeah. It's, 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 it's I love talking because we're, you're building a software company. Yep in the heavy civil space yep solving equipment solving one problem we're doing the same thing solving another problem but it's the same principles yeah it's not all that different um and so it's but there's not there's not very many people building software in the construction industry and i feel like you need to be someone like you who can say 
I grew up in this industry. Yeah, we understand it, right? We get it. Yeah. We get it. We're not Silicon Valley. I, I, you know, I've been a contractor my whole life. Oh, that gets you the immediate respect. But if you come in as an outsider, hmm, yeah, and not all that interested. And our whole industry has got a, a whole language to it, right? Mm-hmm. To understand, you know, if you're walking in and talking to equipment manager to know what a PC 400 is or yeah. a D6, I mean, there is a language to construct. All industries have their own language, but sure. you need to understand, you know, how they're working, what, what's yeah. actually going on. It's, it's, it's a hot porta potty to you know, oh, or oh, utilization, man. you know, yeah, <laughs> it's, it is, um, and you, you probably experienced this quite a bit too. It's like you, you, you don't want to be a cocky asshole, but you also have to establish a little bit of credibility when you first meet somebody. Sure. So you have to weave just enough industry knowledge and lingo into the conversation in yeah. a natural, in a natural way for them to sit there and say, oh, so they, they know what the heck they're, they're talking about. Yeah. And then you can see it. It's like the light bulb goes on. Okay, good. They're, they're, they're one of us. We can, we can have a conversation. <laughs> sure. Sure. And people smell that right away. Right? Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows if you actually have worked in the industry or or haven't uh-huh. but um yeah yeah super um cool well thanks for stopping by um it's cool learning about more about learning more about what tennis got going on awesome and hopefully we can work together one of these days yeah absolutely cool thank you